Hi, I'm Kat. And I'm Emma. If you love the Dead Prank podcast, you can help support its future using the ACAST supporter feature. Now, it's up to you how much you give and there is no regular commitment. So if you can and you want to, please do hit the link in the show description to support now. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theatres, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I went to a gig last night. It was actually my friend from Newark, my friend from back home, and he tours with this band called Neck Deep. Okay. They're in they're in the charts and stuff. They're from Wrexham. Oh, right. Um and he texts me literally on Friday night, just being like, You're in Sydney, right? So like, yeah, he was like, We're doing a show tomorrow. Do you wanna come? So he got me like a access all areas pass. I was like backstage at this gig all night. It was so sick. That's so um, much fun. Yeah, it was so fun. Um, and then, so halfway through the set, the lead singer, Ben, he was like, right, things are going to get a bit sad now. And it's like, this is a song I wrote. He was like, my dad died a few years ago. And I was like, oh, no shit. And like Matt turned around to me and I was like, oh my God. <laughs> it was amazing. And he started like like doing a cute little spiel about, he did the whole like classic like I did. He was like, I didn't speak to anyone. It was like, and now, you know, I've got, like, music to help me and blah, blah, blah. And he sang this really cute song. I was like, oh, my God. So I was like, I said to Matt, I was like, I need to speak to him. I was like, I need to have dead dad chats. And um, He's getting to promote the podcast. I know. Well, he was he was actually pissed, obviously, by the end of the show. Drinking, like, red wine throughout the whole thing. Yeah. Um, and then we were all in the um, in their, like, changing room. So we was there was like a group of like ten or so people and everyone was like around like really loud chatting. So I was like, it's definitely not the environment to like say something. Yeah. But I wanted to make sure I said something before we left. So as I said bye to him, I was like, just say no. I was like, loved your spieling um like before Candle, which is the name of the song. Yeah. I was like, my dad died, blah blah. And then he was like, started chatting to me about it, and I was like, so me and my friend do a podcast. He was like, I love podcasts. <laughs> well you'll love ours <laughs> so I'm gonna send him here and see if he remembers the chat and be like that would be so good wouldn't it yeah well um <coughs> currently it's actually it's kind of like Chris and I's like Christmas Eve no shit well yeah it kind of is because we plan to have our like family Christmas meal tomorrow in Wales <laughs> Because it's the only time we can all be together, so we're doing like oh. full, we're doing like full on Christmas Day <laughs> tomorrow. Oh, oh my god, I love that! <laughs> How funny! Oh my god, is that why you've already done all your presents and stuff? Yeah. Oh, that's incredible! I got all my presents and stuff sorted this week. Chris, have you got all your presents? No. <laughs> I didn't realize it was full Christmas Day. I was Chris's just... Chris's present is his presents. Oh. Uh, I, I, I'm, just, I'm just keeps on giving, aren't I? Yeah. <sighs> Fantastic. I'm I'm driving, so there'll be no 
no Christmas cheer from me. Oh, that's sad, girl. You have to make yourself a mocktail. Hey, Chris, where have you travelled up from? Uh, London. Wow. Bristol, actually. Bristol today, actually. Shit, that's far. Well, Bristol to London. Bristol to home, did a bag swap, then came up. Yeah. Wow. Whereabouts in London do you live? Stratford. Stratford? Yep, Old Olympic Park. Oh, my friends Grace and Ben live in Stratford. Ah. Yeah. It's a lovely place. They stayed there a few times because they usually have to rescue me from nights out in London. Ah, that's those Black Grace and Ben. Black Grace and Ben. Yeah. The one, the ones that had to pay for your taxi home once. <laughs> yeah. Had to get your Uber for yeah. you. Yep. And then had to actually get me the Uber because the Ubers kept refusing to take me. Yeah. Oh, oh God, one of those nights. Yeah. <laughs> that's a frequent occurrence with Sam. Bloody hell. Hi, you're listening to the DPC podcast. The podcast where we talk about all things dead parents. The good, the bad and the banter. Hosted by Sam and Kat. <laughs> so this is our 11th episode. Whoa. Officially in double figures. Um, I think we've had over 1,300 downloads now. Whoop, whoop. Basically, we're big time. Right? Yeah, so if anyone wants to sign us to their management, now's the time to get involved. If anybody wants to get us on a TED Talk or on... Yeah. Oh, my God. Actually, Kat, speaking of TED Talks, I was actually looking at something the other day. Um, it's like this like TED Talk Academy in London for 16 to 25-year-olds, and it's in January. And I was like, shit, I'm going to send this to Kat so she can apply Please. and then do a TED Talk. Oh, I'd love that. Send it to me. Yes, I will send it to you. I'm inspirational, so I'd be great at it. You hashtag inspiration. <laughs> so today's guest is currently laughing at me when I said that. So today <laughs> we have with us my dear cousin, Chris. Chris, say hello. Hello, and thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you for coming. Um, so Chris is my dad's brother's son. Um, yes, yeah, so he's my cousin. You're the... <laughs> Thanks for explaining how cousins work. <laughs> um, so yeah, you're the closest family now on, on that side, so it's dreamy. Chris has come up for our family Christmas dinner, which is taking place tomorrow, very early in the month, but it's the only opportunity we get to all be together, so it's going to be dreamy. That's going to be so cute. It's going to be really nice. Um, Do you have crackers? Well, I did buy some gin crackers, I'm not going to lie. Ooh. I bought crackers that have gin and tonic in them. No, shit. You know I like a gin and tonic. Well, so. yeah, so so I've gifted them to Martin and Lauren because they're hosting, so it just depends on what they do with them, to be honest. But use them. That's what Martin and, Pete, uh, Martin and Lauren yeah. use them. <laughs> they can use the damn crackers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> have you guys got advent calendars? Well... So, my dad has never bought an advent calendar for me in my life. And then today, I come home, and there's a lint advent calendar on my bed. Stop that. Yeah. Oh, my God, Big G. shock horror. I literally, I ran downstairs, and he was in the garage. I was like, Dad, have you bought me an advent calendar? He's like, like, yeah, well, I was in the shops today, and I thought about what your mum would do if she was here, because... Oh my god! Buy you one. So 
So I brought you on. <laughs> I was like, oh. oh my god, that is so cute. Isn't it dreamy? Have you got one at home, Chris? No. Um my flat has just been converted into Santa's grotto, so I think that's as festive as I can oh, possibly go this Christmas. You showed me a picture before, they've got a dog in their flat and this guy's the guy's taking a picture of the dog with his little Christmas jumper on in front of the tree that's all it looks stunning. Oh my god. So cute. Um so today's podcast is probably going to be a difficult slash strange one for both Chris and I. Yeah, I think I would summarise it that way. Yeah, because <laughs> two adjectives. <laughs> Those two adjectives are probably accurate in this scenario. Yeah. Um because obviously Chris is here for the same reason that our other guests are usually here. Um, and obviously... I just love the banter. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You, you, I, I you, just, haven't, I, you I, haven't just come for the shit, isn't you? Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're here to talk about death, but um, no, the, the banter is the, is the main hook, to be honest. <laughs> you are not wrong. <laughs> um, well, Sam's banter. <laughs> cousin, cousin love, cousinly love. Oh, um, you know I love your banter, really. Can't. I know, I know. Yeah, so obviously Chris's affiliation directly affects me as well because it's my family and like my dad, and it's going to be a big kind of big half hour, forty minutes for you, isn't it? I suppose. Yeah, because I think we'll get into it. You know, yeah, the, the the real topic of it, and then you know, you've got death, but the nitty gritty of it is the reason why. Yeah. It makes it quite difficult, and to be honest, it's probably the first time that I've really actually sat down and talked about it because it's something that I've always tried to shy away from. And as we got yeah. as the conversation the interview goes on, um, I think we'll ascertain why it's kind of a. I try and paper over the cracks a bit. I think is the best word frame, or yeah. keep it high level. High, but yeah, high level is the best word. I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, I really appreciate your coming to sit down with us Chris I know like it's gonna be like really challenging um to come and do especially if you like not if like because me and Kat fucking talk about death all the time so it's like (laughs) Sam Google's death like every day (laughs) literally I just sit every day and read stuff about death whereas for most (laughs) normal people it doesn't come naturally so I really appreciate this so um I'm looking forward to this conversation I think it'd be good for everyone yeah so I think we'll crack on with our kind of standard first question because obviously yeah it'll benefit you Sam so you'll have more of an idea and it'll benefit the listeners too and a bit of context Um, tell me more tell me more (laughs) tell me more I think it's I think that song was quite cheery enough for this scenario (laughs) those winter (laughs) nights I love that um so, Chris, as we mentioned, you are affiliated into the DPC club. You are I a am. Dead Parent Club member. Um, do, can... do, do I get a membership card for this? So, this is something we really need to work on. <laughs> yeah, we do, don't we? need to work on our um, affiliation pack, yeah. our, our, our merch. <laughs> yeah, commemorative pin badge. Yeah, a little pin badge could be cute. This is something we need to work on, because I don't know if you've seen, but Sam got me a really cute little pop socket. And it says dead parent club on the back. And so you, I think you could turn that into quite a nice pin badge. 
How cute. Yeah, well, the, the branding's lovely, isn't it? I like how we just sidetracked <laughs> from <laughs> the introduction. Yeah, digress from the introduction <laughs> into merch. Get back to death. Come on. Anyway, <laughs> so you're clearly affiliated. Um, please, can you give us a brief introduction into who passed and kind of a brief instruction as to kind of what happened? Okay, um, I'll try and keep it brief on the base. We'll go into more depth yeah, later on. Yeah, that's fine. Um, so it was my father, um, Kat's uncle. Yeah. So it was 2010, uh, May 2010, actually. Oh, my goodness. I know. It was quite a long time ago. It feels, mm. feels it. Um, and it was whilst I was at university. It was during my um, first year exams. So my summer exams were my, um, towards the end of my first year. And it was almost kind of a two-stage finding out. Um, I found out that he'd passed whilst I was still at university. And Who then called you and told you? It was mum. Okay. And to be honest, that's, got, that's kind of its own little story, to be honest, which mm. is, I'll go, I'll go into it a little bit. Um, but yeah, so it was two-stage. So I found out he died whilst at university. Mm. And when I came home for summer, I then found out he had committed suicide. So they didn't tell you straight away. No, I, no, I was just told he'd gone. And but did they? How did how did they get away with not saying how he died? I think it was to protect me from because I was still at university and I still had like three exams to go. Mm. And, yeah, you know, and you were just like not asking any questions anyway because yeah, it was it was it was shock. It was I wasn't expecting it. So I thought, mum. My mum's been an absolute saint to the past, well, throughout my whole entire life, mum's been an yeah. absolute saint. I love my mum to bits, and I'm a proper mum, mummy's boy. And oh. she did the right thing. She told me what had happened. And then when I was home, I was with family, I could digest the news. I was then told it was suicide. Yeah. Because I suppose, obviously, because of your dad's background, you probably thought that he'd had some sort of accident or... To be honest, I just thought it was, so my father was a serial smoker, he was a serial drinker, mm-hmm. I was under the impression of his organs had just given up, you know, he was very, yeah. very ill. Um, I think it's, but, it's fair to say he's yeah. an alcoholic really, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, he was, no, he yeah. definitely was, and his, every, I remember the last time I saw him, and I saw, oh, actually, I think it's pictures, like, your dad showed me pictures of him, and he just looked so unwell, like, yeah. he looked... So he died when he was 59, and the pictures, he looked about 70. Yeah, I remember him spending Christmas with us, if probably about two years previous, in Moss Road. And he did, he he looked so aged. Mm. Like, he looked the same age as Grandad, I think, at the time, really. So Yeah, so when I found out he'd passed, I, I just, my, my initial assumption was, you know, kidney failure, liver failure. You know, the alcohol mm. had taken its tone, and he'd... yeah. Yeah, he died from illness. So that must have been a massive shock then when they told you that it was suicide. Yeah, because I kind of remember the conversation, which was I walked through the door and was sat down. We had a cup, you know. Mum had a cup of tea. Yeah, so mum, fixes yeah. every situation. Mum was always insistent of them, um, always having a cup of tea waiting for me, regardless of whether I was coming home from university, whether I come visit them now. It's a, do you want a cup of tea, Chris? So, yeah. so you know, sitting down, catching up with. Um, my mum and my stepdad who is another hero in my life um, he's been absolutely rocked throughout the whole process as well and I kind of made this joke of oh at least it wasn't suicide 
and mum just looked blank at me and went, yeah, it was Chris. So I was kind of a bit like, wow, okay. Um, It's just not something that you imagine yourself having to go through, isn't it? I think suicide, like death is one thing and it's got a big taboo around it and it's not spoken about. But I think suicide is another thing. People shy away from speaking about it and acknowledging it so much that it's just not really part of your everyday life at all, is it? No. You never imagine that happening to you, like your family member and from my experience of the immediacy the growth from it you know to the path of what i've had to go through to get to where i am today i wouldn't wish upon anyone either you know not even my worst enemy in the world i would never wish upon them to go through the pain and dark days that followed really and even in may 20 or it was yeah may 2010 you know i didn't anticipate what the next few years would bring from a sort of emotional mental Mm. perspective Uh, so you were at university at the time so how long did you have that oh I'm assuming then by you'd finished your exams got home found out and then you had like the summer at home so like what did that look like did you have um like kind of all the family around you friends around you what was that summer like the Friday night I was because I actually came back on a Friday uh, my girlfriend at the time was uh, go- going out with her friends. It's, she was still in Swansea because I was in Swansea University. And I remember basically calling her up and being on the phone on, in, in her, half an hour in tears on the phone to her. And bless her, like, she, she tried as hard as she, she could. And I never have any ill words against her. But I just don't think she knew how to cope at that time with that mm. news, you know, because we'd only be going out six months. Yeah. So it was still, the relationship was still in his infancy. Um, so that was on the Friday. I can't remember much of the weekend, to be honest. I think it was just trying to, I think mum and my stepdad just tried to keep my mind occupied. You know, I think we did a few day trips and just chilled and relaxed and caught up really and tried to do the normal things. Like basically my stepdad and my mum tried to keep it as normal as possible so we just did a, a standard normal summer weekend yeah because we had the funeral on the tuesday mm. and my stepdad took a quite a noble stance which was he was not going to attend yeah. which i actually applaud you know it yeah, was quite he was all, he, he wanted to be there to support yeah. your mum and you, didn't he? Yeah, he, want, he wanted to be there for me, but he knew it wasn't his place. Because, yeah. not want to say him and my by, by, uh, David, my real father, didn't get on. They just never, their paths never really crossed. And it just wasn't his place. So the funeral came on the Tuesday. And well, the most powerful image in my mind from that day is the coffin coming out the back of the hearse. Mm-hmm. And... My little side side joke on it was um, my mum offered me tissues, was like, you're going to need these. And I said, no, nope, I'm fine. I can cope. It's fine. So mum, bless her. She, yeah, so mum is sitting at the back of the, cha- the chapel, so she's not going to be in the front row. She lets me, um, your dad, mm. and I think, yeah, I think it was just me, your dad. And we still had granddad at the time. Granddad so, there, yeah, yeah, so granddad would have been on the front row with us. And the coffin comes up the back of the hearse, and I just absolutely break down. It makes it real, doesn't it? Mm. 
your mum was I, all I remember is your mum kind of holding me because I was just about to hit the ground like my knees gave way the moment it happened I just remember your mum kind of putting a hand on my chest and just kind of trying to pull me up and keep me Aww. straight but I just remember the whole, I don't remember much of the funeral itself all I remember is just trying to all you can hear at the front of the the chapel is me just going <laughs> <laughs> I feel you yeah like all in my eyes out and the thing is like also you don't know who knows and who doesn't know mm. you know he's gone yes coffin's there but who knows the story behind it yeah. so you know and almost because I was an only child you know I didn't have any brothers and sisters I was the center of attention mm. and it was quite a surreal experience to have everyone just coming up to me going Chris we're, we're sorry for your loss you know and just you know, shaking my hand and putting, the, you know, hugging me and stuff, and it was kind of weird being the centre of attention in such a horrendous, yeah, a very, situation. A, a very upsetting situation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, did you have to do that thing where, like, on the way out of the funeral, you stand outside and every single person that attended comes past and gives you a hug and says, "I'm sorry." Yeah, I, I'm. You know, I, I did that, and it was pretty much me, granddad, and your dad. Yeah, I believe. It would have been, yeah. yeah. It's just you stood there crying while these people are like, I'm really sorry. And you're like, it's okay, but it's not okay. (laughs) It just takes so much energy as well. You just want to go home and just like cry on your own. (laughs) Okay, so did you speak at the funeral? No, I didn't. Was it in Blackley? It was Milton Keynes Crematorium. Yeah. Where, where was, I'm trying to remember where the after-do was. It would have been in Bletchley in the church, yeah, surely. Yeah, the church. I feel like your dad's funeral and Nana's and Grandad's, because they're all in the same place, and because they all happened within a relatively short succession of each other, really. Yeah, which is kind they, of... They all kind of blurred together in a horrible mess, haven't they? Yeah, which was... Uh, I think that's the, one of the issues I had also was, whilst I was trying to get over my dad's passing from a from suicide, we did have... We lost our grandmother... Yeah. Um, in 2012. You've got a very good memory. And then we lost our grandfather in 2013. Yeah. So. And then my mum died in 2015. Yeah. So it was it was six yeah six years a dark six years for our family in that sense. Yeah. And you were super super close to granddad. Yeah. Like you were literally the golden <laughs> boy. <laughs> oh, I remember Nan and Granddad used to have this calculator. We used to be able to play hangman on and stuff, do you remember? And whenever I went round to their house, you would always be there with the hangman calculator, like do dictionary stuff. And we'd always get the sweets out of the, the sweet tin and have like 10 different desserts on the table oh, after dinner. They were like your stereotypical grandparents, absolutely just heroes. Yeah. And, you know, at the, at the end, like, so I lived... Hour, hour and a bit away from Grandad and Nana and Grandad. Yeah. So when Grandad lost Nana, um, he got me over a fair bit to help out mm-hmm. and give him company and that. So we were awfully close at the end. Yeah, I bet you were. Yeah. And also, I think we, me and him, definitely got grew closer after my dad's passing. And I think actually, I grew closer with your dad. I grew closer with you guys. Because, you know, we were a very stereotypical family in the sense of we saw each other, the festive times, you know, Easter, summer, barbecue, Christmas, three times a year. And now 
here I am, I try and regularly come up every couple of months. You know, yeah, yeah. When work allows me. And, you know, it's we've all kind of grown together through this. And what's nice as well is that my mum's side of the family see, like my cousins see you as a, an added cousin oh, yeah. as well, I, I which know. is so nice. You know, I, like Kim and Mary and that, like they see Chris as like an added cousin. Because mm. sometimes in families, they can be very distant, can't they? Like the two separate families but it's not like that at all like you're oh. like everyone's so welcome with you aren't they yeah mel sally and emma are my adopted aunts yeah they are yeah they're such angels you were then home for that summer were you so how did that how did that look like for you because if like yeah you've got your other family like kat and graham and everybody but it's not it's quite far away from all the rest of the family be honest, I didn't really spend my long in Stevenage. Um, I went to, foolishly, and you both can slap me in the sight at this, I went to Thorpe Park two days after the funeral. You went to Thorpe Park? And did, what, just for the day? Yeah, me, me and one of my best mates at the time went to We'd Thorpe Park. We'd never slap you in the face for that. Well, no, in the sense of all the adrenaline and all the excitement and mm. that massive come down at the end of the day, and just because you've lost your dad two days before, yeah. or his funeral two days before that... I was absolutely bawling my eyes out, just an emotional adrenaline drain. And I was oh my God. going to my girlfriend at the time, just absolutely just blubbering. And just was couldn't... that two days after the funeral? Yeah. I just... So that, that would have been you coming to the realisation of what's happened, wouldn't it? I just oh. think it was, it was just, it was, just a, it was an adrenaline yeah. drain. And, you know, I I love roller coasters, so I did all the big rides and everything. And I just, yeah. yeah. Like walking back from the station to my house, and it was just every all the adrenaline of the day just drained out of me and it took all the emotion of the past few days mm. as well with it so I was just a blubbering mess all that night Aww. I don't remember remember much of what I did in Stevenage after that because I went back to Wales um so did you spend the summer in Swansea Cardiff actually okay. um I kind of moved in weirdly with my girlfriend at the time oh I didn't know this which in the sense of her and her twin sister got a place in Cardiff. So I just kind of there for the summer. Mm. I think it was more me hiding away. Yeah. And it was, you know, I think it was, it was a very intense relationship. So it was safe. It was like a cocoon. Yeah. But it didn't do the any of the world of good. Because when that ends, do you feel like you have to start your grieving process all over again? Do you mm. not think? Because that person's mm. gone. Yeah. I, I And I think that did happen. Yeah. So we broke up September, late September that year, 2010. Um, and then that was about when we just wanted to get back into the rhythm of university and everything. So that was me starting second year. Started off well. And then I can't remember who told me this piece of advice, but someone said, you'll be fine until one day you'll hit a brick wall. Mm. And I believe it was January, February 2011 that I hit said brick wall. And I just remember being in a very, very dark place. I remember listening to one of your previous podcasts and someone talking about going how going out is not a good idea. Yeah, that would have been me and Sam, yeah. And I was at, <laughs> you know, I was out I was out two or three times a well, more than that, I was out three or four times a week. Oh gosh. And I was getting to the point of very, very drunk, so drunk that I would have no emotional block. Mm. So I on the phone crying and everything and it was yeah it was messy and but I just felt that it just began to spiral 
you know, I did two years solid of going out three or three or times a week. And subsequently, my studies began to suffer so much so that 2012, after I had failed second year in 2011, I failed second year again. I dropped out of Swansea University. That was a big moment, wasn't it? Yeah, that was an, that was the second time I hit. I felt like I hit rock bottom in my life. Yeah, because I'd had nothing on. You know, I was frantically calling up universities and job prospects, trying to salvage something of my life. And how did your like mum react then? Was she quite supportive? Yeah, because I suppose failing second year twice. I mean. <laughs> Because it could have gone, it could have been like one or two ways. It could be like either she's really disappointed, or she's like, "Look, this like it's kind of inevitable because look what you've been through." I don't know. She did take that inevitable approach, but it was at yeah. the end of second year, the first time round. Okay. Yeah. They, her and my stepdad were quite strongly of Chris. You need to come out. Yeah. You know, I was I was seriously seeing a therapist at the time within the university mm. who was a massive help. She was really helping me gain some perspective. So in my second year, I found an outlet, and that was the student newspaper. Yes, love this. So it was my creative whiz, or cre- yeah, my creative sense to be able to push myself in or put myself into something that I could be you greater. Yeah, I could be creative. I could try and make something of myself at. So I enjoyed it. I enjoyed writing. I enjoyed interviewing people. I enjoyed kind of building myself up, building my skills up, learning as I went along. You know, I had more passion for journalism or student mm. newspaper than I did for my course. You were doing engineering, weren't you? Yeah, so civil engineering, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll touch on my, my, my current job at the moment, which is a complete different side of the rainbow or yeah. spectrum to um, engineering. Yeah. So I had some actually ups and downs with the student newspaper. My actually, one of my good friends who was the editor during my second year left at the end of the second year. So when I went into third year, effectively, they got a new editor in. I actually fell out with him because he kind of was trying to undo all this great work that we did over the summer. I didn't really like going back to Stevenage. I like to stay in Swansea for summer. Yeah. So I got my house the third year sorted pretty much in, I think it was June. and moved in pretty much soon after that. So I spent summer just uh, doing quite a lot of fun stuff like um, Neath Football Club. So Neath are a small oh, town fun. just outside Swansea. They were in the Europa League qualifying. So their season starts in early July. Mm. So I managed to get myself press passes to, awesome. to some of those games. So I was just doing quite a lot of freelance, write stuff, more for myself, to be honest, just practice, 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 practice. And of course, that season, Swansea City had got to the Premier League. So my friend at the time had just got a job at Swansea City Football Club. And he was able to get me press passes to the news conferences before their, before their that big that games. out for you. Oh, definitely. So I don't regret third year. So I got in this situation of... Do I go to Fluid Mechanics on a Tuesday afternoon <laughs> or do I go to Brendan Rogers' press conference before they play Man United at home? <laughs> now, being the big football fan that I am and the way my career was going, um, the bus has left at 10 minutes um, past every hour <laughs> to go up to the stadium. 
So yeah, that really spurned this whole path that I then started to where I am today. You see, that's the thing. Like, so we talk about spinning some sort of positive out of this awful thing that happens, and like, yeah, it was like horrendous and crap. But like, maybe if that hadn't have happened, you wouldn't have found solace in writing and pursuing that kind of choice. Yeah, and then. Like, you might not have left uni and gone to do what you do now. So tell Sam and everybody else about how you managed to get... You went into a, a master's? Yeah, so I somehow managed to break the rules of university, I think. Completely, Sam. Without a bachelor? Yeah. Yes. So I went into this frantic <laughs> frenzy, and it was frantic frenzy, of applying to jobs, applying to universities. So I had two two interviews on the table... I think it was a Wednesday and a Thursday. So my Wednesday was at Southampton Solent for a sports journalism, a broadcast sports journalism role. And then I had a two-year fast-track yeah. interview at Staffordshire University. So these are both bachelors at the time, okay? So I went to Southampton Solent, um, three-year course. They liked me. They liked my work. So I've shown them all my um, media stuff I've done with the newspaper. They sh- I showed them this website that I built by myself, this whole university. Um, Check you out. And I'd also actually I had just won the yes British universities and colleges sports unsung hero of the year for the, for the nation yeah. that that summer as well which was yeah I got some, you weren't going to go were you my no. dad made you go yeah because I was kind of a bit like oh I'm going up against someone from Loughborough University I'm not going to win this and your dad was like Chris you got to go and I was just like you're right Uncle Graham I will go he didn't offer, yeah. offer to pay for me yeah bless him and he was like you know you'll regret it and then. I was like, yes, I'll go. So I went down to it was down in Exeter actually. It was in July, July the twelfth, I think it was. Wow, you are good at these days. I know, isn't he? Well, these are the key moments of my life, Sam. I got, <laughs> I got to keep telling you those. So yeah, um, that that night in Exeter, won unsung hero of the year two thousand and twelve for the Bucks. Yeah, the Bucks Awards. Awesome. So that was that was that was big, you know. Anyway, so I'm kind of about your masters. Where yes. Do you... yep. So I we went... digress. I know we digress. <laughs> So I went to Solent University on the Wednesday and Solent made me a really, really great offer of a second year entry on a bachelor's. Now, I kind of thought, wow, that's, awesome. yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take that. I'll... Southampton was more attractive than Staffordshire and Stoke, naturally. So it seemed like a good choice. And I, out of respect for Staffordshire, I thought I'll go there, hear them out and we'll see what happens but I'm pretty much 90% certain I'm going to accept second year entry Solent so I go to Staffordshire sitting there and this is where I meet a lovely lovely man called Pete Layden and Pete gives me this great great discussion you know about everything I've been working on and he looks at my portfolio and he says I like this I like what you've done here I think you might be too good for the bachelors. Let me have a quick conversation with admin and we might be able to get you on a master's. <laughs> Ridiculous. So he pops out the office for five minutes and comes back and just goes, yep, we can do it. Congratulations. That is insane. So like on, on your CV, there's no bachelors. It's no. just masters. <laughs> Chris, Christopher. Yeah, Christopher. M.A. Shit, you know. You should have just gone straight for the PhD, mate. <laughs> 
It's so insane. My, my finances didn't allow for that sound. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit, yeah. <laughs> that's that's, oh, that's amazing. And I love telling people that story because it just shows like how far you can come. No, definitely. Yeah. From thinking that there's no, you can't see any like no. happiness from anything. And it was at Staffordshire University that I met one of your previous guests on the show. Yes, Emma. So Emma was doing the same course as Chris at Staffordshire. No so way. yeah, it, it was dead weird. Um, I think Chris knew that I'd been hanging out with Sam Jones. And then Chris texts me like, oh, I just went on that guy's Facebook or something that you, that you hang out with and realised that he is the brother of a girl that I was at uni with. And I was like, what? Like, that's insane. You went to uni with Sam's twin sister. And this was only about two months after Sam and I started hanging out as well. So it all kind of coincided, like, really weirdly. So, yeah, I, I, I took Sam and I was like, oh, my God. Like, my cousin knows your sister. Like, my cousin's like a proper southerner. This is so weird. Like, what a, what a coincidence. It's such a small world. And also, you've like already had your own like ready-made like DPC. Yeah. But you and Emma didn't really talk about it, did you? No, not really. Oh, no, we did a bit, but... Yeah, because I bet you would have... You they it both would have happened at a, pretty much the same time, eh? Cause... Yeah. Well, Sam well, and my mum died just two years before. Oh, okay. Chris, did you have like... Obviously, you were with your girlfriend. Was it, did you have other friends around you then? And was she? Yeah. Were you able to like speak to her about it? Like, how how did you cope that? How was your support network? It was good, but I just I went through a stage where I didn't want to burden people with it. Mm. Oh yeah, and uh, I know and from the previous podcast, I know that it's a sort of like stage one, not wanting to burden your friends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. And and the thing is also, I friends, they didn't know how to act react either. No. Like, I didn't want to start going around and just saying, oh, hi, my dad's committed suicide. <laughs> this was also eight years ago where this, you know, and this is why I actually love all this mental health awareness that's yes. really happened in the past few years and everything. You know, that wasn't as strong as it was eight years ago. No. Well, no, eight years wasn't as strong as it was now. So it wasn't like I could go out and really seek that awareness such a strong stigma about around males at that time as yeah. well and you know showing kind of signs of like being upset and I bet there's such a big stigma around it must have been so difficult yeah no um, I think that's why I had quite a few a fair few more female friends than male friends at university yeah. um I found out that quite straight up yeah certainly straight afterwards I began to realize who my true friends were you know, a lot of friendships broke down. A lot of friendships actually got built up. A lot of people kind of, I think I had about th- three, four, five university mothers. Love that. Uh, look at, you know, had my back, you know. I was always that. Yeah. Always, told, told you to stop going out so much. Well, they tried, but I, I didn't, I didn't <laughs> hear them. Always a, a set of ears to hear my, you know, hear my problems, which yeah. was, was what I needed, really. But also... Yeah. I guess being an only child, I've always kind of been comfortable with my own company and my own problems. So I kind, I really did go into my shell a bit 
which in some mm. ways was bad, but also in some ways really taught me stuff about myself. And, you know, people think I'm absolutely crazy these days for going to the cinema by myself. And stuff oh, I like love that. doing that. No, people just go, Chris, you're weird. No. It's my favourite thing. Oh, I'm sorry, but should I, I love it too. talk all the way through during the film? Yeah, it's, it's like useless. That. Yeah. I was talking about this the other night, actually, because, Kat, after you said about going to cinema yourself, I went to watch um, The Book of Mormon by myself. Yes, girl. Like, yeah. And everyone was like, what, you went on your own? But yeah, why the hell not? Why the hell not? Love and that. I, the thing is, I love films. Like, I I get so emotionally invested in them. Like, <laughs> horrendously I think Sam and I were watching this film Sam Jones and I were watching this film recently and he was like Kat it's not real it's not real and I was like but it's just really upsetting like just can't help but feel a connection to these characters you watch your your man be again (laughs) (laughs) it just gets me every time (laughs) so like I find like going to the cinema on my own so therapeutic, especially especially if I'm watching like a really deep film. Like I went I went to watch Mamma Mia two on my own. Oh and... my god, mate, that one! I bored like a little baby yeah. the whole time. Yeah, but I just I, I love the fact that I went on my own and I had nobody next to me looking at me that I knew looking at me being like, "You weirdo, why are you crying so much?" Instead, I was just sat on the end of a row next to some old man who. Didn't care, and I was just like, <laughs> "Oh my god!" A quick side note on Mamma Mia too. The whole time I was like, the, I felt the way that they dealt with grief on that film was fantastic. Yeah, I really want us to do a podcast on films that deal with. Yes, grief. me too. I was. I watched loads of films about death on the way um, over to Australia. And I was, like, making notes the whole time. <laughs> I was like, I need to speak to Kat about all of these things. Oh, that's a really weird I, phrase. I, I, so. I'm going to throw Spider-Man into that. <laughs> oh, with, with his dad? His uncle. I've uncle Ben dies Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Yeah, right, I yeah. think that is, you know. Yeah. And obviously it's blinking Mrs. Dies. He kills her. That was traumatising, wasn't it? Which film was that? Um, you know, the one when she's falling down and he gets his web out. But he catches her just after she hits the floor and she's hanging. It's one of them. It's, oh, is that one of the most recent ones? Um, like, it must have been about four, oh, four years ago. That's, oh, that's The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Yeah. yeah the, the Amazing Spider-Mans don't exist. Okay. It's <laughs> <That's> brutal. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm yeah. I'm just going to find the name of this um, film because it's one with Will Smith. Oh, yeah. Oh, is it Seven Pounds? No, it's not actually. It's called Collateral Beauty. Seven Pounds did not deal with grief very well. Instead, he gave his organs to seven people and killed himself. That is the epitome of not dealing with grief. I well. know, but I, she just, <laughs> I thought we were on the topic of films that just made you cry, and I was oh. born injured seven pounds at the end. Oh, so was I. What, what was it called, Sam? Collateral Beauty? Collateral Beauty, yeah. You want to write that down? Can't wait. Will I cry? Oh, yeah, big time. It, it's it's a beautiful, beautiful film. Like I absolutely love it. I've got just looking in front of me. I've got like a parrot, like a full paragraph of notes on it because I loved it so much. Oh, I can't wait for us to do a whole podcast on this. Fantastic. Right, we digress. Always. Um. So, Always. out of people that you had around you at the time, what 
do you think was the most helpful thing that somebody said or did? Does anything stand out to you or any moment that you remember somebody like being like, oh, it doesn't even have to have been when it happened. It couldn't be more recently. Something somebody said that's made you be like, wow, like I'm, I think I'm dealing with this well. At university, it was my friend Danny, bless her, kind of, I began to appreciate nights in. And just talking, mm-hmm. and just not even talk- right now. Yeah, not even talking <laughs> about death and talking about suicide. Just talking. You know, I didn't have to go out and get blotto every night, and I just began to appreciate just conversations. Mm. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. You know, um, I think the incident back in 2010 kind of reset me you know i had to start learning learning things again in a lot of ways learning emotions and learning learning about myself so it almost was a case of and i always use use this phrase when i um talk about it or whenever i talk about it is it made me feel mortal so at university first year you're there you're fresher you're top of the world Mm. you're you're there you're, you're on campus now yeah (laughs) <laughs> you're going to get your degree, you're going to get your job, you're going to start making money. Life has begun. <laughs> yeah, this is it. And then this curveball comes out of nowhere and just sweeps, cleans you off your feet. Yeah. And you hit the canvas and then you realise that you're not immortal. You are human. And humans are built of emotions and feelings and energy and it just brought me in touch with those. Yeah. And going out to Oceana or whatever to drink myself into a vodka coke stupor mm. was not... Oceana. Oceana. Oceana Swansea. Every Monday night. <laughs> loved it. Breaking lid. <laughs> um, yeah, I just, just having those conversations and begin to humanise myself again, really, in regards to being in touch with the emotions and what it actually means to be human. It is. It's having those people that are there for real conversations and not just there for the good good times in your life, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. It's the people that are happy to come around and sit and talk to you about random stuff and enjoy spending time together with somebody again. Rather than you don't have to be talking about your grief and like what's happened, but it is knowing that people are there for you, isn't no, it? Definitely, and it's just the people that just come up to you and say how are you today and you know that they mean it yeah they're not just a passing comment of all right you're all right mate yeah 
It's yeah. a, how, how are, are you? you today? Yeah. Like, they, they know your past. They know what's happened. They don't want to talk about it. They just want to know, how you doing? Yeah, and you can see it, and you can see it in people's eyes, can't you? When they when they genuinely care, and like I've had so many people like, yeah, are you, how are you? I'm like, yeah, 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 fine, good. And they're like, no, but seriously, how are you? <laughs> Don't give me that like fluffy bullshit. <laughs> Tell me yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. I think something that we've glossed over quite a lot here is kind of like the differences. I don't know, like your relationship with your dad was quite interesting <laughs> yeah, yeah which, I think, I, which i think has had a massive direct yeah There's, so there was there was a i think a decade backstory before even before yeah you know he took his well, own life th- there's one thing in particular that i remember you saying to me that really really res- like i don't not resonates with me but i think about all the time is you were saying that that summer you were hoping to reach out to your dad again weren't you and yeah kind of start building that relationship again so me and my father didn't get on I will say that out loud I'll say that you know for what it is Mm. Uh, when you constantly see someone you see them grow as a person so physically the way you you have conversations the way you are emotionally with, with someone you can feel their growth so you know when I see you guys you know how regular you are or how regular I saw you mm. when we were young, you know, I saw you grow up, I saw yeah. you go to school and all that. So, you know, you're having that almost two way em- emotional conversation where, oh, cats now, cats now secondary school, wonderful. I will take our conversation up to secondary school, that sort yeah. of thing. I didn't see my dad that much. No. You know, I can't honestly cannot physically remember the last time I saw him. I think it was that trip to Hyde. Really? I think it was Hyde. And that was not enjoyable because he struggled. He struggled with life, I think. Yeah. You know, that's why he turned to alcohol. That's why he turned to cigarettes. You know, he wasn't a bad person. He just... Oh, not by any means. No, he he had a good heart, but he just struggled with the responsibilities of life. And Mm. I think the responsibility of fatherhood, potentially. Yeah. And he just didn't... He just couldn't make sense of it all. And he almost lived in his own little bubble. Yeah, and when you, when me going through puberty, going growing up as as, as a boy in, into the person I am today, you know, especially around fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, you know, I'm going through my changes, and I can't be dealing with a person like him who still sees me as a ten year old boy. Yeah, and he will still talk to me on the phone like a ten year old boy. And, you know, I'm rebelling at anything. You know, mum mum turns around and says, there's no chocolate in the cupboard. I throw a massive tam- temper tantrum. How dare you do this to me? <laughs> yeah, door slam, bang. So you've got this person on the other end of a phone, you know, who's meant to be my dad. And I can't have a conversation with him like I can have a conversation with, with, with my stepdad. Yeah. I struggle. And he, he would always use him as a trophy in some ways, you know, and I think it was just his way to stay connected to me in the sense of my son's doing this. Mm. He, he goes to this school. He got A's in his exams the other day. He's, he's wonderful. And um, he, he probably was, I, I bet he was incredibly proud of oh, you. definitely. A hundred percent. No, I, I, I never really doubt that. And, no. But, you know, there just wasn't that two-way, that two-way flow. Yeah. 
So it gets to the point where I think it was, I want to say, end of 2008 when I had quite a lot going on with my A-levels. I remember struggling, I think, in my A-levels at the time. I wasn't doing well. Um, and I just had enough of the conversation. I said, look, this is not going anywhere. I don't want anything to do with you. Mm. That's it. So we didn't speak for a year. That long? It was a year. Wow. He would call up the phone. He would call up the house. I would say to mum, I'm not here, and just walk out. Mm. You know, it was a very, very broken down relationship between us two. Yeah. Uh, I almost began to start seeing the light a bit. I think it was end of 2009 when I was at university I began to calm down a bit in the sense of your hormones are yeah. right <laughs> I'm on that path I'm on my path now I'm on my engineering path and get my life together you realize what's important don't you yeah I began to start thinking right let's pick something up here so we had another phone conversation and even then that did that I remember that not going well mm. and then it was whilst at university and I think it was around April time I just began to think why am I not working at this? I'm 19 now. Mm. You know, I need to start thinking about who I want to be going forward. I don't want to be the guy that turned his back on his dad. Yeah. So I start... I definitely don't think you could ever class it as turning your back on him. It was just a case of, he, at the end of the day, he wasn't being as good as a dad as... You should have. Been. You want you yeah. wanted him yeah, to no, be. Yeah, no, I think that's fair enough. That's, that's fair to say. Yeah. No, and yeah, I think it was just at the time I felt like I was potentially yeah. turning, turning turning my back on him. So I thought, do you know what? Let's get my exams done, and let's just have a phone conversation. He lives in Kent. Doesn't take that long to come to London. Let's just meet at a coffee shop in London. Yeah. And just talk and just try and. Try and salvage something because yeah. I never wanted to go through my life being at odds and ends with him. You know, I wanted to have something amicable, something that will be at a good level where he can still get his not fixed, but know that he's involved in this. Yeah, sort of bit. yeah, yeah. And I can get, and I can be part. He can be part of my life because mm. you know I, I want. I wanted that, and when I was young, I didn't really know what I wanted or anything like that. But when I began to start. The items in the book, in yeah, the items start making their way into the shelf in the right, correct way. Yeah. You know, you just got thinking about right. I want to reconnect my dad here. I want to be able to have a relationship with him. And then, just when I'm thinking, right, three more exams to go, I get a phone call, and yeah, it was the phone call that uh, yeah, that he died, and for me, started this change. Yeah. Um, that, that, that definitely because even we've spoken to those people who say that it's made them value the people around them so much more but I bet that's even more like important for you as well like I bet after everything, everything that's happened you're like incredibly aware of your family and stuff aren't you like yeah definitely um yeah I think I think there's two sides to it really it's definitely awareness of my family and the impact my family plays and how much I want to be part of, you know, be with my family and have them make those good memories and not have many regrets or anything, you know. You know there's also a side of, a further side to that, which is I'm not not in great terms with my mum's side of the family at the moment. Mm. So I'm 
you know, start working to break down those rules, building on this. However, there's also the second side of it, which is the individual side. So the individual side is making myself aware and trying to make myself the best version of me I can be. Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean go out and try and make a million pounds or anything. No. It's be able to sit back and say, I'm happy the way it went. You know, yeah. I'm happy with what I've done. I've tried my best. I've tried my best. I've tried to make memories for myself. I've tried to make something worthwhile of my life. You know, I am, and if any of my work colleagues listen to this, you know, I, I don't, I've never talked about my story before. And walking into the office every day, I am so thankful for what I get to work on because I'm really, really hell bent on the word legacy. And it's not just having a name in lights or, you know, in the public eye. It's about having something tangible to hold on, or not hold on, to tangible to pass on yeah. to eventually when I settle down and have my own family. I want to be able to say, I worked on this project, there's visible evidence of it. I worked on this project, there's visible evidence. And just kind of do be the sort of person, do the sort of things that I had hoped David would do. Yeah, you know, and my stepdad talks about this a lot in the sense of you have a great role model in David on what not to do. Yeah, and that really has helped me shape myself into what I am doing right now. I have a quick question, um, and you might not have felt this, um, but I have a couple of friends recently that have um, lost parents or their parents are really really sick, but they either have never had a relationship with their parent or they have a bad relationship and barely ever see them and they will say to me like I, I, I feel like I shouldn't be upset by this because I never saw him anyway or well I've not spoke to her for I've not spoken to someone for five years why should I be upset that she's dying kind of thing but it just goes to show that like, no matter what your relationship like with your parents then like they're still your parents it's okay to be like distraught about the fact that they've died whether you spoke to them or not yeah blood is blood i've always believed that you know losing losing the effectively the next person above me in the family tree yeah it does you know it does hope you know even whether it's suicide whether it's uh, heart attack whether it's cancer you've just lost the person above you and it really does hit home and you know you've lost your carer as well like genetically that is your your carer isn't it like your your safety cushion I know that Mm. obviously people's relationships different and that's not always always the case but I think genetically we are bound to our parents aren't Mm, we definitely completely it's uh you know so I'm a bit of a I I kind of believe a bit in the whole spirit ghost sort of thing I've got lots of stories that sort of thing and the story of when I actually found out was, so your dad rings me and my mum tries to ring me at university. People don't ring me at university. Yeah. <laughs> so that's red flag number one. You instantly know something's wrong. Yeah. So your dad's ringing me about two times a day, um, finally get hold of me and was like, Chris, when's your, have you finished your exams yet? I'm like, no, still got um, four to go, one tomorrow. Okay, no worries. Um, how's things going? Are you good? Yeah, and we had a conversation. Mum then brings up, Chris, how many exams have you got left at university? Oh. So I'm just like, okay, yeah, um, four, got one tomorrow. 
that'd be fine. And mum was like, oh, what, what's the gap between your, your fourth and third to last? And I was like, oh, it's like four days. She went, okay, fair enough. Um, I'll tell you what, we'll hold this conversation for now and we'll pick it up maybe, you know, after your next exam. Oh, God. Red flag number three. So <laughs> You and your exam, like, oh, this phone call, what's it going to be? Yeah, so... Imagine what was running through your head, but it probably was not what like what you actually heard. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, well, I think I, in all fairness, I was trying to be an honest student. I was trying to focus on my next exam the next day. But thinking, looking back on it, I'm just like, oh yeah, it makes sense now. Mm, but yeah. then it really hit home that that day of the phone call. So I decided to preempt the gun. Mum gets home from work around six o'clock. She, she should ring me about ten, five past ten past six. So I preempted the gun and I rang home at. 10, 10 to 6, when my stepdad picks up. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? Like, why all the phone calls and stuff? And he goes, I think it'll be best if your mum told you. Mm. I knew then. Yeah. Like, something in the back of my head went, and I just went, David's gone. Or dad's gone. Yeah. So, yeah, it follows 20 minutes later with that phone call, and all just comes crashing down, but... And I, yeah, I know what you mean by the whole like, link to the side of things. Like you just feel it. You feel it deep down in you, and something's not right. Yeah, we've kind of been through how it's kind of changed the way you go about life. But is there anything? Um, is there any like other significant differences in like your outlook to life now um, versus what it was before? I think, as mentioned before, you know, I I really am attuned on the word legacy and you know i'm i'm very very career focused um i try and i'm trying to find a job that i enjoy you know i work um for one of the one of the many railway companies in the uk great western rail we're not the bbc i know but i'm I'm, I'm, just yeah, it's fine. Yeah, so I work for Great. I work for Great Western Railway. So I, I did. Get to, I did two weeks work experience there. You did. Repping it. <laughs> she got a C plus. <laughs> <laughs> um, and with it, you know, I get to do a lot of travelling. I get to um, go to cities, regular cities like Bristol, Bath, and like, I love it. And you know, I don't want to waste life. Mm. And you know, I, I see a lot of friends not enjoying work, and they work in an office, and some, I just can't do that. You know, it's got to be exciting it's got to be challenging and i've got i I like to have something i could take away from it so i've worked on great western's new trains uh, projects so the the communications behind those i was watching a lovely program about that the other day was it panicking 24 7 yes and i thought oh chris definitely would have had something to do with this wasn't actually me oh really my colleague did that one Oh, sorry. That's all right, all right. Took took the shine off you there. That's all right. But I was thinking about you when yeah, I watched no, it, definitely. so that's nice. I have, I, have, I have, my back of my head has featured on them numerous times. Yeah, but they are. <laughs> I try not to be facing the camera or I have to buy the team drinks. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I like so I like the other fact that like it takes, it takes something away, be part of something that's changing like, and has a big impact on some on like a region or a community or something so i love that aspect of it and it really feels that i'm getting something out of it myself like that real nice warm feeling uh of pride yeah i definitely and a pride feeling i know i'm proud of what i do i'm proud of the things i get to work on i'm thankful for it actually and i think that's sometimes a, th- a part of my friends don't understand sometimes because i don't because because i don't talk about the, my dad's yeah, suicide situation so i'm thankful 
I'm thankful where, where I stand today, you know. Um, Come I, out the other side, wiser, yeah. stronger, harder, better, faster, stronger. Yeah. So don't kill me, can only make me stronger. Yeah, yeah I, do, I, do, I, do, I do play that on the days I need a bit of pepping up. Yeah, that's my gym tune, that. Yes, isn't it? It's such a good one. Um. So oh, that's not a podcast you should do. Actually, motivational music—music music that's got people through. Oh, I've got music that makes me grieve. Well, I, <laughs> you know, I think that's what we definitely all kind of cling on to something. That, yeah, you know, a, a certain music at the time. Music's a massive thing for me. Yeah, you should say that actually, because the gig that I was at last night, they um, sang um, a cover of "Torn" by Natalie in Brulia. Yeah. Because they sang it for a album called Songs That Saved My Life. Oh, okay. Which is like which is like a compilation album though. I think it's out now. Um and they're like raising money for mental health awareness and stuff. And there's like a gig, I think there's maybe like a gig at Wembley or something. Oh, um wow. with all the bands that have sung these songs. So yeah, someone beat us to the idea, but everyone should go ahead and found it, buzz in. Yeah, like they sang Torn last night and I was just like, yeah, loved it. Oh, is that Neck Deep? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, they're on this album. Cute. Yeah, big up Neck Deep. Oh, sweet. Um, yeah. Anyway, Chris, I think we will end on our final question. Okay. Yep. Um, What would you say to other people? I think people that have particularly been in your situation because yours is very different from our kind of standard um, what do you say to anybody else that's gone through what you have or might do in the future? Because obviously with stuff like that, it's so not preemptive at all, is it? So some wise words. I think the wisest words I can probably give is never lose sight of yourself. Mm. You know, use use the situation to your advantage. It will give you passion. It will give you... Yeah. It will give you a lot of energy, and whether you turn that as anger, you know, it will be anger probably for the first period of it, or you know, the first few months, the first year, the first couple of years. But eventually, that anger will turn into something good. And I think it's about just working, thinking about how you can take that energy and turn it into something worthwhile. You know, and really put it into something to change your life. Really, you know, whether that is saying I'm going to go out I'm going to go to 20 countries around the world mm. or I'm going to put my head down into my career and I'm going to do something fantastic or do you know what I'm going to write a book yeah. because I want to put all my I want to put all my thoughts and feelings on paper I'm going to write a book and I'm going to try and get published you know these things whether it's suicide or whatever are set to challenge us they're not the end of us no they're I love that. they are something that say that again these things are sent to challenge us not end us Yes. Love yes, that. Chris. That's yeah. wonderful. I, I can see that as a sound snippet right now. Oh, I'll try. So I try. I try. I try. <laughs> but yeah, so, and it's about, it's not about the situation. It's about where you go from after the situation. Fantastic. Yeah. How's that? How's that for an ending? That was a fantastic. I really love that. Is, yeah, I was going to say, Chris, is there anything else that you think oh, I'd really want to make sure that I get that across? Or so. I can might as well write my start writing my memoirs now. <laughs> um, whilst you still remember the key dates, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he remembers times. 
what he was eating, what he was wearing. <laughs> oh, you don't know my you don't know my my university diet. It was appalling. Some <laughs> <laughs> chips. Oh, uh, I feel sick thinking about that. <laughs> God, yeah, Bernard Matthews was a saint. Thank you very much. Oh. <laughs> Bernard Matthews was a saint. <laughs> I think the only thing really is, and I think we're touching it, is just when other situations come up, you almost kind of look back to, you know, oh, I look back to my dad's suicide and think, I got out of that, I can get out of this. Yeah. Or I got out of that, I don't need to worry about this. I think it's a case of maybe, you know, especially being a, a, a young bloke like myself, you know, if I've got a bad dating situation going on or something like that, you know, and it's beginning to mess with me a bit. I just kind of, do you know what? I don't need this. Yeah, you look after yourself more. Yeah. You make yourself a priority, don't yeah. you, I think? Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there. Yeah. Yeah, make yourself the priority. So if someone's mucking you around, do you know what? I don't need you. And, you know... Same your... goes with friendships. Yeah, no, definitely. I think, I think you realise, like, not everyone has to be your people. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And I think you also start making friends more with people with the same emotional level outlook on life yeah, level than mindset. your mindset than interests yeah you know you can be interested in two completely different things but if you connect on like an emotional level and you realize what's important in life and like and you realize that it's important to look after each other definitely then that's like the priority isn't it? if you both like the same thing it's just an added bonus yeah yeah completely like playing fifa oh yeah <laughs> oh, yeah. Just playing FIFA, talking about death. <laughs> <laughs> Classic Friday night. In. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, might not doing that. Probably quite therapeutic. Actually. Yeah, just talk to me though. I should just try. No, honestly, I, people people might laugh at this, but I do find FIFA very therapeutic. Avoid mm, it weird. No, it it gives you it lets you take yourself away from the world for about twelve minutes. <laughs> you know, you don't focus on anything else but the game. Yeah. And that actually does help. It's probably like medicine. Yeah. And if you've got a career mode going, yeah, then you've got a story going on as well. You know, FIFA is good for the soul. That. <laughs> I love that. Maybe we should, we need to try and get some kind of sponsorship out of both Bernard Matthews and FIFA for this one, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine. Uh, other football games are available, Pez. And other... <laughs> Other other mass mass produced food suppliers are available. Birds eye. Yeah. <laughs> Does that come your legal uh, side, uh, Sam? <laughs> right then. Well, I think that's been an absolute cracker. Oh, I love that so much, Chris. You and I, 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 I've liked it because I've learned things about you that I didn't know before. I feel like we've connected on an emotional level. I know. Cup of tea? <laughs> yeah, it's going to have a brew. Yeah. Go yeah. play some I, I hear it heals the song, Sam. <laughs> right then, so I think that's, that's going to be bye from us here in the UK. All right then, signing off from the UK. <laughs> I'm going to go and probably go eat breakfast on my own. Well, have a good time. Thank you very much for getting up early. Yeah, I'm going to go have a barbecue and cuddle my koala. <laughs> <laughs> Love you. Koalas in New Zealand. Thank you so much for listening to this week's DPC podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have and have found some comfort in the stories that you've heard today. If you've resonated with anything we've said, have any questions or want to get involved, please do contact us. We're on Instagram. It's at DPC podcast. You can email us on DPC podcast at hotmail.com or we have a contact form on our website 
www.dpcpodcast.co.uk. We have a whole bunch of resources over on our website. More information about dealing with grief, losing a parent and professionals to contact if you should need it. Because as Kat so eloquently said in our first podcast, we're not providing healthcare, we're just chatting shit. (laughs) If you think this podcast could help someone, then we would love for you to share it. We upload new podcasts every week, so make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out. Loads of love from Sam and Kat. See you next Tuesday. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 